Welcome to the eighth episode of VS Tomorrow 2021 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who would never accidentally sneak a woman into the Men in Black, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Did you recognize the woman snuck into the Men in Black? Was it Kim Peters? You did not, because it was from a season you've not seen. I'm being mean. Oh. <laughs> it was actually someone who I've seen the season of and didn't even recognize. It was Paula from um, from Jordan and Northern Ireland, apparently. She's a secret, secret agent. She's our last and only line of defense. <laughs> and how's your week been? Same old, same old. Um, it's not absolutely freezing anymore. I think we got up to like 10 degrees yesterday around here. <laughs> Although it's going to be a thunderstorm tomorrow, I think. Um Teaching. I did Tarstorian. I, I got my first Tar, Tarstorian episode up in three months, and the crazy thing is I'll probably get the next one up in the next couple of days, possibly. <laughs> I must say I'm really glad that I'm not in Texas this year rather than last year, because we're coming up on a year since I was in Texas, and we were trying to work out how to do Vidum and Belgi at the same time. And um, yeah, Texas is having a bit of a, a cold spell at the moment, and it was very much not cold when I was there. And Ted Cruz was hanging out in Cancun when it happened. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore, indeed. So anyway, we're stalling to not have to talk about the elephant in the room that is this Vidim episode, which I'm just getting a little bit bored of this season now, being honest. It's getting to the point where I'm just kind of counting down to the finale. So the question we had when Josh was executed was, can the season hold up on its own without Josh for the last three episodes and i think the answer is not really no it's a perfectly fine season and as we said last week i'll give them a little credit for managing to record a season during the pandemic however there's been a lot of stupidity in this season from the production again and it's just getting a little bit tiresome not to the point where i'm like fuck it i'm never watching vidim again but I'm just kind of a bit ugh about this season already. It's kind of funny how, like, with Renaissance, we were really excited for the first half, and then we get to that one super challenge, <laughs> and then the season just sort of goes into a tailspin, and here it's the triple exemption plus Josh going home twist that sends this season into a bit of a tailspin. Not just in terms of entertainment value, but for the amount of money that's in the pot. <laughs> the very worst thing about that is the fact that if, in two weeks' time, Renee is announced as the mole, not only did they do exactly what I said they shouldn't do, which is put the mole in the losing team, to therefore make it super difficult to actually survive that twist, but also, it appears everyone has been on Renee for a long time, if it's her. Which means there is a very real possibility that... Everyone was on her from like week three, and it then just becomes a race to who knows the most about Renee for seven episodes. Or, or um, who was the last person to bail on splitting on on splitting between multiple suspects? Yeah, if it's Renee, I think Rocky has been on her from week three, and Charlotte from week four, which is nuts. And who did Renee say she suspected this episode? She said. Um, she doesn't trust Charlotte, but Rocky and her don't trust each other. It's a bit vague. Yeah, so we don't know. So yeah, it, it's just one of them things where, in two weeks' time, we could very well be saying, Renee is a person, yay. Renee's a mole, eh. 
I don't think any of these three women who are left will be in my top half of moles, regardless of the sabotages we're going to see. And that's kind of disappointing at this point of the season. Thinking it's going to be odd if it's not Charlotte at this point. I'm leaning towards Renee. Spoilers for the end of this episode. Because what in the? I guess we can just jump into the first challenge with the gliding. It was Renee and Charlotte who had a lot of miscommunication, right? I have done so much analysis on this challenge. <laughs> That's why I started laughing as soon as you said the gliding challenge because I would put money on it that I have probably done more research about this challenge than anyone outside of the really hyper-nerdy forums. Because I've rewatched that challenge maybe two or three times to work out exactly what the instructions should have been, exactly what went wrong, which pieces were wrong, everything. Okay, what's, what is your analysis, Michael? <laughs> well, previously the Final Five continued on as a group. They returned to a mining museum to try and raise clothes to the roof, but all that was raised was confusion when they won very little money. When asked to form words, they forgot to be grammatically correct before a dancing challenge saw them finally earn some money, but our main suspect of Mariah going home. We get confessionals from all of them, saying how much they want to get to the final. Charlotte says she isn't convinced of her mole now, but needs to take a gamble. And Rick says the final four are the strongest players of the season. Really? Really? Well, he can't He can't say, oh, they're all a bunch of pieces of shit when he's introducing them. That, that, that just wouldn't be nice. No, but you can say many things about them. I'm not sure they're the strongest four of the season, or of any Venom season particularly. They're the strongest four of all time, ever, in all 21 seasons. They are the absolute strongest. Screw you, Venom South Africa. These guys kicked your ass. It does sound a little bit like something Russell Hans would come out with. I'm the greatest Final Four of all time. It's a little bit blind hyperbole. But I certainly wouldn't say they're the strongest four characters of the season, because you obviously can't have that argument without Josh being there. I know we're going to mention our kind of black armband to Josh every week, because, you know, he's by far our fave. But even people like Florentine, he was a strong character. Maybe not particularly interesting, but he was a strong character in the group and a big loss. Even Mariah, who had brilliant facial expressions. <laughs> and some of them apparently racial. I said brilliant, not potentially offensive. But it's it's stuff like two weeks ago, Mariah's reaction at being saved by uh, by Renee in the um, in the mining museum twist. I didn't even mention that that was the banner, but it was because of how hilarious her reaction to being saved was. She was just kind of gobsmacked, and it made me laugh. I don't think you can pin the entire season on these four people, as harsh as it is. So Rick says they're travelling to West Bohemia, and they'll be staying in Marienbad. At the theatre, they'll meet some old acquaintances before proving that a puzzle at great heights is quite tricky. Rocky says that they're all enjoying each other's company. That won't last long. Rocky and Snarf and Charlotte and Renee are rooming with each other. The episode title is in one fail swoop. They drive up to an aero club on day 15, and everyone, especially Charlotte, basically loses their shit when they see planes on the ground. How would you have reacted to driving up to... um, to a glider club. Would you have been that excited? Probably. I'd be wondering what the hell was going to happen next. You know, it's not just going to be a casual challenge. You don't know. Are they going to make a hang upside down? Are you going to be blindfolded? Like, what the hell are you going to... Are you going to have to pilot the thing? I think this challenge is very cool visually. I'm not sure it's particularly fun to participate in. 
Well, yeah, I guess you don't really get to enjoy the ride that much if you're focused on relaying, relaying coordinates. <laughs> so for the first challenge, they'll be split up with two people on the ground solving puzzles and two in the air in gliders helping them solve the puzzles. If by the end of the time limit they have the correct solution, they will earn 1,500 euros for the pots. Rick also warns them that whoever is in the glider should have a strong stomach as they will be doing stunts. Charlotte is very excited at this. Renee says she wants to stay on the ground. Rocky is given the choice and chooses to go flying, leaving Snarf on the ground. How would you have played this as a mole? Would you have wanted to be in the air or on the ground, do you think? Probably in the air because you have more leeway for, to borrow a Frederick Vanderwald term, you get to have more leeway to sabotage. See, I, I went into watching this challenge going, I don't think it really matters again where you are. But the more I think about it, the more impact being on the ground has. Because you are guaranteed to be playing in both rounds if you're on the ground, whereas you're only guaranteed to play in one of them if you're in the air. And arguably all it takes is one screw-up, because obviously no one can correct any of the mistakes because they don't know it's a mistake. But I think you have more potential as a mole if you're on the ground to mess with people. Because either you could give out the wrong coordinates or you could just screw up on switching things out. So Charlotte's very nervous. She says she's never been in a glider before. Rocky laments the fact that there is a parachute, but it's just there to make you feel safe. And <laughs> Renee starts on the puzzle pieces with Snarf in the tower. He has to pass on the information to Rocky, who's in the air, who would pass the information back to Renee, and she will make the changes on the board. What was Charlotte doing during this? Was she just sat in the glider, praying, basically? Yeah. Putting her head between her legs and kissing her ass goodbye? <laughs> Possibly, I don't know. But it's funny, it's like, the parachute is there to make you feel safe, but you'll never have to use it. It's like, well then, why scare them into thinking that they'll need to use it? <laughs> It'd be like if somebody said, oh, welcome to my city, here, here's a, here's a gift, it's a Kevlar jacket. Oh, you won't need this Kevlar jacket, it's just to make you feel safe. I'm going to be thinking, hmm, I might be shot at. It's kind of a hilarious principle to stack people up with loads of safety gear and go, you probably won't need these, but it's just there in case to make you feel safe. Yeah, it's like if they just gave, gave out like boxes of condoms too or something. Oh no, you, you won't need these for a glider. It's just to make you feel safe. Here's a helmet. <laughs> Don't say that after saying condoms. So the puzzle that they are trying to solve is a scrambled version of the Yoka card from episode one. And Znarf's five instructions that he needs to pass on to Rocky are A1 to C3, D4 to E4, C2 to E3, B3 to E2, and E2 to A3. Two of those were done incorrectly. Because the first two were done perfectly correctly, E3 was in the wrong place, B3 was in the wrong place, and E2 was in the wrong place. Should be noted that when Renee did this task, she had to switch A1 to A1C, and then she tested positive for diabetes. So Snarf gives the first piece of information to Rocky right as she starts basically doing a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll! And Rocky is pretty much not enjoying her life, especially when they do a nosedive at the end. <laughs> when she's trying to yell over the noise of the engine. Renee, listen! Let's uh, turn on your hearing aid! It's C3 to B2. Well, that's the thing. There is no engine in that glider. They get a tow off a plane, and then it's basically just done on, on gravity. 
that's what makes this challenge, I think, so terrifying is the fact that it's not a, a fighter jet like every other version of this challenge we've ever seen before. It's a glider with no engine. And tell my family I love them. <laughs> <laughs> and after Rocky lands, Zanaf and Renee have to swap places. And Charlotte, when she's in the glider, forgets the actual point of the challenge and focuses on staying alive. She was absolutely terrified. Yeah, if I didn't kind of find myself being really bored by Charlotte so much, she probably would have been the banner this week. Instead, it's Rocky upside down because it made me laugh. I don't know what it is about Charlotte. And I saw this on the Bothers Bar Discord um, a few days ago. I think it was Matt Clemson who asked, is Charlotte one of the least likable people ever on Vidim? And I'm kind of inclined to say maybe yes. I don't know what it is, but she's just not that likable. She hasn't done anything to make anybody... Well, I guess she did lose 2,000 euros at the end of the episode, but... (laughs) But she doesn't have charisma? Yeah, I I don't know what it is. It's just something in the back of my mind going, "Mm, she's not that interesting, is she? Yeah, I don't think she's, like, disliked. She's not disliked at all. It's just she doesn't have that charisma to pull you in as a member of the audience. It was Holger Matt, not, not Matt Clemson, sorry. But yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just There's just something where I go... You're not that fun to watch, Charlotte. Is that going to be the title for this week? What? You're not that fun, Charlotte. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not that fun, Charlotte. That's a, so. If you're listening, Charlotte, Michael doesn't think you're that fun. No, sorry. Well, you you won't even play Monopoly. So Charlotte passes on three instructions wrong, mixing up her B and D and E and C, and the codes that Renee needs to pass on are D two to C one, which was completely missed in Charlotte screaming. A4 to B1, which was done correctly. B4 to C4, which was done correctly. Then D1 to B3. D1 was in the wrong place by the end of it. Charlotte originally says C1 to B3, and then B1 to B3. And then the final one is E1 to A2, which Charlotte says is C1 to A2, then B1 to A2. Overall, C1, D1, D2, D3, E2, and E3 were all in the wrong place. B1 was wrong before the fourth one, as was B3. So they actually got swapped into the correct places. D3 was not mentioned in any of the codes. So therefore, I've no idea how it got swapped. Because it was never mentioned. I'm guessing they had the moliest action. I think there was definitely a mole at play on that board in that respect. Because the problem I have with this challenge is it's far too easy to mole. We've said this time and time and time again. You should never create a challenge where all the mole has to do is one little thing and it screws up everything for everyone else. And since this was an all-or-nothing challenge, this would be quite easy to be like, well, you just have to get one switch wrong. You could like say the team was doing perfectly fine for 99% of the challenge, and then say Renee gets on the walkie-talkie at the last second and says, eh, you know what, switch B1 to C1. You fail. Yeah, all the mole had to do if they were on the ground was say one instruction wrong or do one swap without the other person noticing. That's it. And there was no one to account for them on the ground either. It's not like there was somebody say, hey, hey, this guy's a phony. He's swapping. As much as I don't want to come across as being the grumpy bastard of Vidum podcasting again, this sort of a challenge just is very short-sighted because it's very pretty to look at. It's just very shallow, doesn't have much substance, and is far too easy to mould. There is no danger for the mole in being caught in this challenge, I would say. Would you say this is like the one challenge each episode where the mole should be playing as a player? Yeah, 
like it, it's a complete shrug of a challenge to try and work out who sabotaged because it doesn't really matter. Anyone and everyone could have sabotaged this challenge, and it makes no difference. Because that's the thing with like the Amer- American version of the mole is that the mole is just meant to sabotage one challenge per round. And I guess Belgi kind of goes in that direction too. You don't want the mole sabotaging every single challenge. No, and also, as I said at the start of the season, the main contrast that I've discovered between Belgi and Vidum is the fact that Belgi is by far the story of all of the candidates going against this mythical mole, whereas Vidum is more the story of the mole and how they're duping people. Yeah. And the sabotages in Belgium are typically a lot more... Elaborate. Elaborate, yes. In Vidim, it can just be any old thing like, fuck, we had Euro and say, I won the challenge to trick all of you. I earned money for the pot for all of you. I was so tricky on that one. Because it's just, they have the mindset of like, every every challenge needs to have some sort of mulling aspect to it. Where it's like, no, you just need that one... At least that one elaborate sabotage per week, I think, is really what the mole has to do. It has to be a type of sabotage that none of the other contestants can pull off. There has to be some ambiguity about who the mole is, and it can't be too obvious. I mean, that's basically the reason why I have such a terrible record when it comes to Belgium, is the fact that it's very difficult for me to guess sometimes. Sometimes I get it spot on, like Alina, but not always. Not when you're in front of Jill Sacosta. I kind of love that when we went to the finale, I was still dead wrong. I really like that. I think that makes it actually far funnier, was the fact that Papa Virgil de Costa was behind us cackling when I said fuck. Yeah, and then I'm like, and then I'm like, yeah, in your face, Nancy Grace. I think that actually made it way funnier for me. Because if I'd, if I'd spotted Elizabeth in week two, I would have been like, ah, oh, this is a bit less fun now knowing... Going into the finale being utterly convinced it's her and being right, I'm like, it's way more funny if I'm just completely wrong and and have to completely recalibrate everything. I don't mind being wrong when it's fun. So Rick greets them at the end and says they had fun, but got the puzzle wrong, so now €1,500. And they realise that Charlotte actually missed one of the codes. Do you think they'd make it that obvious that Charlotte was sabotaging as she is the mole? So, see, this is... I'm really... I don't know what to make of this final three because <laughs> I keep thinking of the freaking torch challenge, the rafting challenge where Charlotte just pointlessly, I mean, if she's the mole, that rafting challenge has got to be either a stroke of genius to throw everyone off by trying to blatantly sabotage something and have it go nowhere and be like, well, it'd be a great case of insane reverse psychology that no one's really attempted before. Or is she just that blatant of a mole? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of if it's if Charlotte is the mole. There are some weird tactics she tried this season. It's going to be a very interesting episode. I think our finale, regardless of whether it's Renee or Charlotte, because let's be honest, it's not Rocky. It's Renee or Charlotte. I think there's going to be some very interesting discussions on that reunion episode because Renee. I think there is an argument that if it's her. People were on her far too early, and that is not where the mole should be, given that we know that Rocky's been suspecting her since week three. If it's Charlotte, she made some friggin' weird decisions throughout the entire season, like that rafting challenge, but also she has done some really janky shit through this season. And one of the jankiest is 
<laughs> and one of the jankiest comes at the end of this episode. Yeah, I was going to say, is the phrase janky shit really making you laugh, or is it just you thinking that she accidentally took 2,000 euros is hilarious? Well, I was thinking more using janky in a superlative form, which I'm, I don't even think janky is a word, and then we create a new word out of that called jankiest. I am going to Google this now. I'm 99% sure that janky is a word. Maybe it's a word in Dutch. I don't know. Amazing means something really offensive, and we're going to have to edit it out just like they had to do with episode seven. Janky, informal North American, of extremely poor or unreliable quality. Suck it, Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> you know your North American slang more than I do. Damn straight. Sounds like something Shane and Andrew would say from Amazing Race Australia, too. So, the second assignment takes place in the Marienbad Theatre. The seats are filled with pictures of old candidates. And Rick comes on a projector and explains that they have to rearrange the pictures using instructions from video clips, the first instruction of which is for people in row six. Did you notice any pictures that were missing from this challenge? There's at least one I'm aware of. No, I, I, I just assumed they would all be there. I did too, but I don't think Rick himself was there. Was that, is that a clue? I don't know, but... I have yet again analysed this challenge quite a bit, trying to work out whether Rick was there or not, because it, it did come up on the Bothers Bar Discord yesterday. I don't think Rick's picture was there, which is really interesting, because his biopic would have put him in the Men in Black row. He should have been in the Men in Black, because he was wearing a black t-shirt. I mean, because he's host, he was exempt? Yeah, because Art was there. Art was um, on the end of one of the rows, because we actually saw him full screen at one point. But Rick wasn't. So, the song that they are listening to is Flowers in Your Hair by Lumineers, and they have to therefore put anyone with flowers in their hair on row six. The second one is row ten. It's Joe Cocker's You Can Leave Your Hat On, anyone wearing headgear. Third row is row eight, Lady in Red. They are confused as to whether it's women with red hair or women with red clothes. The answer in the end ends up being both of them, but... They don't know that. The fourth is for row one. It is Men in Black, Will Smith's second best movie soundtrack song. What's number one? Wild Wild West, obviously. Wicked Wicked Wild! Any song that has the lyrics, any damsel that's in distress be out of that dress when she meets Jim West, is automatically going to be number one on that list. It's an awful song, but it's very funny. I, I prefer the one from Family Guy of... Uh... Wipe your shoes on the mat when you enter the house. So the fifth one is row 11. It is Diamonds and Pearls by Prince. Of course, he is Snarf's favourite artist. And Snarf says that they will need both diamonds and pearls. The sixth one is Girls with Red Hair for row 8, which answers their original question. That is the last one. Rick actually physically appears in the theatre this time. They got the red hair, ladies in red, flowers in their hair, and headgear correct, so earn 900 euros of a possible 1500 for the challenge. You know what would have been great? Is if one of the pictures there in one of the rows was a real person? That would freak the hell out of them. Well, there was a theory that they'd need to actually put Rick in the Men in Black row when he reappeared. Yeah, <laughs> just throw him in there. Yeah, have a spare seat and then put Rick there. Yeah, just pick them up. <laughs> because if they hadn't put Paula's picture there, there actually would have been a spare seat they could have put Rick there for, in theory. What are they going to do? Firemen carry him into the seat? Up on my shoulders, Rick! Obviously. 
However, there was a bigger crime that happened in this challenge, which is the fact that the picture that they missed from the Diamonds and Pearls row was Star of Vidamorrigan, Emanuela Graves, aka the best Vidam character that you've never seen. She is a star. And I'm very pleased that they actually subtly acknowledged her, because there is not a chance she is ever coming back to Vidam. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Did production hate her, or did she do some... Oh no, she was an absolute star, but she's an actress, and um, she got done on some drug smuggling charges, I think. Did a couple of years in prison. After Oregon? Yeah, after Oregon. She's only just got out, I think. I guess not before Oregon, otherwise she wouldn't be on the season. No, but she is an absolute star in Oregon. She's basically the reason I want you to watch Oregon, because she's she's a brilliant character. And utterly insane. I guess if she did the drug smuggling before Oregon, the show would have to be renamed from V is the Mole to V is the Mule. And also it's Portland, so they probably don't care. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was drug trafficking in July 2019. She turned out to have more than 100 ecstasy pills, 20 grams of cocaine, just under 10 grams of ket, and a few amounts of MDMA and amphetamine. And drugs were also found at the Airbnb where she was staying. And she's said to have prepared herself for a role in a drug film. What movie was she preparing for? Blow? I don't know. She was sentenced to two years in prison, one year suspended. And she also received a fine of 8,000 euros, of which 6,000 euros were postponed. And she'll be on probation for five years. Oh, I mean, they're not even at eight. That, that, even if she won won this season, that won't even cover it. But yeah, if you do end up ever watching Oregon, I suspect you will be quite partial to Emanuela, because she's hilarious. And they did, as I mentioned, put Paula in the Men in Black row. So after the challenge, they realise that they could be over €10,000 the next day when they work out the value of the pots. €9,875. That's how much they are not going to earn for this show. (laughs) I set it up, you knock it down. Yep. So they wake up on day 16 in Marion Bad for the final challenge of the episode. Rick seems to be dressed exactly the same as he was on day 15. And they are brought to Rick individually and facing a wheel. Then an opponent is brought in. The first person spins the wheel and has to decide whether to trust the information from the second person who is the only one who can see the wheel. They have to decide whether to keep the prize that they've spun or spin again. If they reject it twice, then they spin a third time and cannot reject it again. Then they just get to hang out with Rick. Yeah. First up is Renee with Rocky as the Watcher. Renee spins 2,000 euros. She trusts Rocky, but doesn't care about money and wants the exemption. And her second spin is two yokers for herself, which she sticks on. And I'm assuming that the Watcher cannot outright say, you've earned 2,000 euros for the pot. I guess so, because they had to be, yeah, I was thinking, why not just say what it is? Because I don't think that was explained in the challenge instructions that they couldn't just outright say, yeah, they're two yokers. I don't know whether it was a rule that the contestants themselves enforced, or whether it was actually a rule for this challenge. I assume it had to be a rule for this challenge, because otherwise, why would you be so so vague like that? Because everyone wants an exemption for the finale. But then just say, or just lie when the exemption one comes up and says it's 2,000 euros. It does actually raise the question of the fact that, in theory, everyone could have been exempt to the finale here. We could have literally had this as the end of the episode because everyone was immune. Yeah, I'm guessing I'm guessing that could have been a possibility of production planned for. And yet again, we would have had a four-person finale. And it would have been nuts to try and even discuss that. 
So Charlotte is the second person to spin with Snarf advising. He doesn't want to lie to her and wants her to make the finale. She spins 2,000 euros and he doesn't give her much information, just that it'll be harmful for the group. She chooses to take it and cost the group 2,000 euros, which means she has personally cost the group 7,000 euros. 50% pretty much of what they have earned this season. If they had not been greedy on two occasions now, they could have had the best part in about eight, nine seasons, with the exclusion of twists. And it's all Charlotte's fault, basically. It's it's an odd one. It's an odd decision there. It's like, is she really just the mole? And and like, and just well, I'm thinking that was just such a gigantic sabotage. It was su- a super obvious one. Would the mole do that? Be like, yep, I'm taking away two thousand euros. Do you think the mole knew what they'd spun? That's a guy. I was thinking about that too. I'm gonna guess no. I don't think so. I don't think they knew. I feel like that had to be some way to stop them earning 2,000 euros for the pot. That's the only thing that production would have cared about, I think, in that, is making sure the mole does not earn them 2,000 euros. Well, then there would be enough hints from the other person, though, if it was good for the pot. Then, say, if it was positive 2,000 euros that, that Charlotte had spun, then Splinter would say, oh, it's good for the pot. So it's like, okay, then I guess then Charlotte would say no if she was the mole. I feel like... If at the end of the season we find out that the mole got tipped off for this challenge, it won't necessarily be a surprise. I don't know for certain, but I really wouldn't be surprised, knowing what we know about mole production, if somehow the mole got tipped off if they'd spun 2,000 euros. Yeah, I think the mole just w- would want to play this as a player. I think that'd be just because they're in such under such a big microscope from the other person. Like in the, in the gliding challenge, there is zero accountability. So then they can be tipped off about a lot more things. And then I think this challenge they played as a player, I think. Because I would say the best tactic for a mole here, if they weren't tipped off, would be to just spin twice and not trust the information regardless. Because then at least there's no accountability if you do end up spinning 2,000 euros off the pot. Because there's absolutely no proof. Yeah, it's just an odd one that Charlotte's first spin, negative 2,000 euros. Hey, Splinter, should I take this? No, you uh, no, you shouldn't. It's not good for the pot. Okay, I'll take it. Like That's a really odd tactic as the mole. It is. If Charlotte isn't the mole, she is trying so hard to pretend she is. Yeah, between this and the rafting challenge. <laughs> between this and the rafting challenge and costing the group 5,000 euros. Yeah. Especially as the 5,000 euro bid came the episode after the rafting challenge, where everyone is like, Charlotte's being a bit weird. She's just reinforcing everything. She'd probably be the least subtle mole ever. (laughs) Yeah, I have enough faith in production to say they probably wouldn't make a mole that obvious. Yeah, that's why I kind of ruled her out. I'm like, ah, but she just took that much money. I'm like, but why would the mole be just that? Like, boom, I'm going to take two grand out. Ha ha. Nothing you can do about it. I spun it. So Charlotte advises Rocky for the third round. She spins two yokers for Charlotte and is convinced by Charlotte to stick. (laughs) And then Renee advises Snarf on the final round. She is silent when trying to advise him. He doesn't trust her. He spun the exemption. He doesn't trust her enough to stick. So spins again. Spins the question mark. Yet again, he rejects it. He spins his final one without Renee knowing what it is, but ends up spinning a yoker for Renee. 
which means that they earn minus 2,000 of a possible 8,000 George for the challenge, minus 1,100 of a possible 11,000 for the episode, and 7,875 of a possible 44,550 euros for the season. Between this and the 5,000 euro deduction a couple, or three weeks ago now, those two episodes just killed their part this season. It's going to be very impressive to see whether they actually do have enough high-value challenges to get over 10,000 or not next week. Because I don't think they will now. I don't think they will either. I don't think... Because they'd have to earn, what, over two grand? Yeah, 2,125 euros in three challenges. And then you could say that Splinter was their biggest money earner out of the four? Yeah, if you ignore the 5,000 euro bid, then I think Rocky probably has that title. Yeah, and Rocky's definitely switched her strategy the past couple rounds. Yeah, I don't... And but and Charlotte's still in there. You have Charlotte, a mole. You need to keep Charlotte away from, from any chances to cost them money, basically. Not because she's the mole, just because she genuinely wants people to believe she's the mole. In fact, they may not, they may not even be above 7,000 by the end of the season. If Charlotte's got anything to do about it, they won't be. So it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. Snarf and Charlotte have two yokers each, and Renee has three. Renee says she has one more mountain to climb. She doesn't trust Charlotte, but Rocky and her don't trust each other. She plays all three yokers. Charlotte can't afford to spread anymore. It's not Rocky. It's not Snarf. It's Renee. And she plays her two yokers. Snarf says Rocky shows multiple sides of her personality. Renee would be perfect, but you never know. He plays both yokers. And Rocky says it's the moment of truth. She has no doubt with the later assignments. She went all in on Renee last time, and it was a green screen. Rick asks them what is worse than going home first, maybe going home last. Seven Yokers were played, and Rocky has a brilliant reaction when she realises she played none of them. Charlotte and Renee get green screens before Snarf goes home, and he passes his little pink money box onto Rocky. All-female final three? Yep, second ever all-female final three. And the first one in nearly a decade. What was the last? Was it also in Venom? Uh, yes, Iceland and Spain was the last all-female final three. And the only other final three uh, that's been all-female. I don't know about international, so nobody um, nobody fact-checked me on that, but I know for a fact that this is the second one in Venom. Venom's never had an all-male final three, but they have had now two all-female ones. So, next time, the second ever all-female final three, go through a cave to make a deal... Cross a rope bridge for 350 euros and cycle and climb before one of them is revealed as the mole. Splinter blew it. Yeah, he he massively drops a bollock on that one. He had the ticket into the finale in his hands. And instead he gave a yoker to his main suspect. (laughs) Who is he partnered with? Renee? Rocky? Who is he partnered with? He was advised by Renee and he advised Charlotte. He advised, so he got Charlotte to take 2,000 euros from the pot, and then he talked himself out of an exemption. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the conversation between him and Renee, because Renee was very nervous. Renee didn't basically say anything to him. She's like, um, if I say nothing, maybe he'll just spin again. <laughs> she basically just didn't say anything to him. Which might be the biggest clue that that's something you should take if the person is so nervous that they're pleading the fifth. So, in our pool, Juice is an half going home. Michelle's already won. We don't need to talk about that again. She has all three in the finale? Yeah. <laughs> Michelle absolutely whitewashed the both of us. She has all three of the final three, which is a very impressive feat, I will say. 
I'm not sure Michelle ever listens to our podcast, but if she does, I'm very impressed. In the first suspicions pool, two people, Bram and Michelle, have Znarth last. Matt had him first. Steve now has all of his top three remaining in the final three. Michelle has her top two. Luca and Jack win if it's Rocky. Carl and Kim win if it's Renee. And Steve and Michelle win if it's Charlotte. Charlotte is the only person more suspicious to us as a trio than the group as a whole. Renee has 1.75 and 1.8. Charlotte has 2 and 1.8. And Rocky has 2.25 and 2.4. So, two questions to end the episode. Number one, who is your Juan suspect? You can't have two? Nope, you're not having two this week. Yeah, we always we always do it this way. Um, just because we both lost our main suspect and we're completely lost. So I am going to say Rocky, because I, she's the one that stumped me the most. And I refuse to believe that she's been the most subtle. She's been the one that's been the least accounted for throughout the season. So that's why I'm going to say Rocky. If it is Rocky, I'll be very impressed because I feel like they would never pick anyone like Rocky ever, normally. To pick the pro athlete, you mean? Yeah, because she's hyper-competitive and she does not like losing. I think it would be a really good strategy with Rocky say that she's all for the team, all for the team in the beginning, and then does this big heel turn with bidding 5,000 euros, and she's made a lot of decisions strictly for herself over the last three episodes. So I can't help but think, hmm, that'd be quite the heel to, to, that'd be quite the strategy to earn everyone's trust, align with all these people, and then boom, 5,000 euros are out. Boom, here's another 1,000 out. Boom, and just kind of just wreak havoc on the pot. Rocky would probably be the most interesting choice as Mole, but unsurprisingly given what i've said in this episode i'm reasonably confident it's renee she makes the most sense for me right now be interesting if it's her because this marks a trend of where people if there's an older mole in the cast people figure it out a lot faster because that, that happened with the mole 2 u.s because they don't do it often where they pick the older mole but it happened in the mole 2 usa where they picked the oldest person they cast and a bunch of people were onto him by Episode 3 or 4, I think. I genuinely cannot remember the last time that Vidim had a mole who was over the age of 50. Well, last season? Your own was under 50, I think. <laughs> really? I think so. I think he was sort of late 40s. I have a feeling he was 48. Okay, so you're essentially saying they haven't had a mole over the age of 48 in a long time. 1974 he was born, so yeah, he's 46. Okay, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. We can say anybody who's over fifty is very rare to, very rarely picked as mole. I cannot remember the last time that they picked a mole who was over the age of fifty. Anyway, because you don't even get that many contest other than Renaissance, you don't get that many contestants over the age of fifty. No, there's usually one or two token old people. But I think if it is Renee, we have a really interesting reunion episode to discuss why she was so easily suspected. If it is Charlotte. Oh, I don't even want to talk about Charlotte being the mole, because I don't think it'll be a fun conversation, to be honest. She's probably my least favourite character of the season. Spoilers. It'd be the weirdest reverse psychology of of everyone not suspecting her, because she's trying to be so obvious about it. On one hand, you could say that's brilliant. On the other hand, you could say it's irritating, because then that means the cast never had a chance to earn money for the pot. Yeah, if it's Rocky then that will be a really interesting reunion for us to talk about, because 
I've never really suspected Rocky. I've been the only one that's put her as my suspect a few times now, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually looking at our suspicions thing that I'm going to tweet out on Thursday. And weirdly, we're very evenly matched in terms of our suspicions of the final three. Because of the 22 suspicions that we've made this season now, you have nine remaining that were in the final three, and I have eight. And that is literally only because I suspected Snarf last week. Otherwise, we'd be perfectly matched. And I think that's really interesting. So the final question is, who is getting third next week? The theory is that um, that we're going to see who loses next week. Oh, and the other reason why I think it's Rocky is because she made it through without any without any yokers. Everyone else had two or more. But apparently she's been on Renee since week three. So she is laser-focused on Renee. Yeah, there's could have been two, though. I mean, that'd be a pretty big wide margin for her to avoid execution by. Unless she knows her stuff, which I wouldn't be surprised about. She'd have to win by A, two questions, and B, have the fastest time over Splinter. So who's getting third? Well, if I think Rocky is the mole, I would... But Renee was in... If Renee's not the mole, she survived some pretty big disadvantages. So I would say... I think Charlotte would be going home then. I think so too. I think regardless of whether it's Renee or Rocky, Charlotte's probably going. If they eliminate someone and Charlotte is still there, then that's alarming because she's either winner or mole. And I don't want either of those things to happen. <laughs> so we got anything else you want to say? Um, I hope Charlotte doesn't take another 3,000 euros from the pot before she gets executed. Can you imagine if this pot ends up being lower than some of the junior ones? <laughs> they were better off just sticking to their day job. Yeah. So, thank you for listening to our VS Mall 2021 recap. We will be back next week for the penultimate time this season to continue the hunt for the newest mole in Czechia. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us on contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at LogSuperQuacky, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Peace out, and just chill until the next flavoring.